Hey, those of you that are fans of the great man Tyrus, he is going to join us coming up here around 10 o'clock as he starts a new show. That's right, Tyrus with us, and it is glorious. Harbaugh leaves, runs away, coward, coward. Create a mess, win a championship, which covers all of the mess. But I'm going to be anxious to see what happens a year from now. And Doc Rivers going to Philadelphia happened way too quick. That Mr. Nice Guy, Dr. Huxtable, Doc Rivers is full of crap. There's a lot of stuff behind the scenes. And what are you doing, Luka Doncic? My people, you don't get fans thrown out. What if we decided fans could throw out an NBA player for being bad? That I would like. Don't at me starts right now. on the move Thursday, Jim Harbaugh, the news came down yesterday, getting a five-year deal with the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, I, I even feel weird saying that. It is supposed to be the San Diego Chargers. I know they're in L.A. You know, a lot of people are questioning the move. This is the easiest move ever. Now, I just want you to think about this move from this standpoint. Look, you're a college coach, first and foremost, which means you got to recruit. Let's just take all the cheating out. You got NIL. You got to recruit your own players. You got coaches that have agents. You got all this kind of crap. It's basically running a professional organization, except it's a college organization under the rules, somewhat rules of the NCAA and your institution. Now, that's pain in the backside to begin with. Now, he's got a lot of guys leaving, and he wasn't very successful against Ohio State until Connor Stallion showed up. In fact, unsuccessful enough that he was, follow me here, successful in getting the 2020 Michigan-Ohio State game canceled because he said too many had COVID. He was getting ready to get his ass waxed again. So just take that part of it. Then take that he's going to make somewhere between 12 to $15 million coaching in the NFL. It's a better lifestyle. Put that in there. Now put in a look. I don't need the headache of Michigan-Ohio State. I don't need my self-worth coming out out of the outcome of one game. I don't need to have my salary cut, my assistance cut, my endorsements cut like he had a couple years ago because he kept losing to Ohio State. I don't need that in my life anymore. And let's just take this for what it is, 60 years old. I'm 60 years old. You're tired of the cold. You're tired of going, oh, man. Last time I was in Ann Arbor, there was a vortex. It was 23 degrees below zero. I can't, it was a couple, three years ago, we were doing a Michigan game, school was canceled, emergency, medical emergency, all this kind of stuff. It was 23 degrees below zero. Now, I don't know about you, but it's, got, it's not going to be always 70 and sunny in California, in L.A., but most days it is. I tell you what it's also not going to be. It also, it, it ain't, it ain't going to be. 23 degrees below zero, people. So all those reasons. Now, let's add the cheating into it. So you go into a season, and and everybody, again, it all gets clouded because of the national championship, and rightfully so. He gave Michigan and Michigan men everywhere exactly what they wanted. Beat Ohio State a couple times in a row. Don't make it one time in a fluke. Bring us a national championship that we hadn't had since Lloyd Carr. I know I say this all the time, and I know a lot of you don't believe it, but you can look it up. Bo Beckler never won a national title. Not once. Zero. Zip. Nada. So do something that's never been done, undefeated, national champion, and then move along. But you do it under a cloud. And the NCAA and the Big Ten 
and even his own school at, at a certain level are pissed at him. Because remember, this is the weirdest, this is something nobody's going to talk to you about. The school suspended him. The school. Now, I was at Indiana a couple times when Bob Knight got suspended. One time he got suspended for throwing a chair on the floor. One time he got suspended for kicking his kid. He did kick his kid. And he did get suspended. And he was pissed. Because the school suspended him. I remember him saying, I was in those meetings, hey, Big Ten wants to suspend me, NCAA wants to suspend me, fine, but I'm not taking it from you people. Well, guess what? The school stood up. The school gave him a suspension, two of them. He took it from those people, and it lingered forever. And don't think for a second, yes, Jim Harbaugh, Michigan man. Yes, Jim Harbaugh holding the trophy. Yes, Jim Harbaugh brought him a championship. But don't think for a second that the fact that the school suspended him isn't the worst thing that happened to him this year. Big Ten, NCAA, that's not good when or if they suspend you. Big Ten has already suspended him. Remember, they went into a meeting. They thought they were going to get out of all of this. Next thing you know, half hour later, everybody agreed to the suspension. They saw new evidence, which meant he was a bigger cheater than they thought. And they said, let's go. You can handle that as a coach. You can. You, you, you can handle that. But you cannot handle it from your institution. And that is a major reason that this was a no-brainer. Look, of course, if you're going to go into the NFL, what do you want? You want a quarterback. Nobody knows the game. Nobody knows how to win the game like Jim Harbaugh, particularly in the NFL and in college. you got to have a quarterback. Look, all of a sudden... This year, was there any uh, McNamara or whatever that kid's name is, competition with J.J. McCarthy? No, there was no competition. There was a quarterback. His name was J.J. He led him to an undefeated season. He's being called the greatest quarterback in Michigan football history, rightfully so for what he accomplished at Michigan. He got his quarterback and didn't even jack, jack around with it. Remember, a couple years ago, it was a quarterback competition. It was, who's it going to be? Is it going to be this McNamara guy who ended up transferring to Iowa or McCarthy? So now you go to the NFL, and it's the same thing. There is no quarterback question with, I was going to say it again, the San Diego Chargers, the Los Angeles Chargers. You've got the perfect scenario for Jim Harbaugh. You've got a talented roster. And by all, everybody, the roster's uber-talented. Tom Telesco, who built the roster, is so respected for the roster that he built that he just got a new general manager's job after being fired for the job that he did in San Diego. I want to say that again. That's how respected the roster is in San Diego, in Los Angeles. That's how respected it is. So you go to a place that has a roster. You go to a place that has a quarterback. You go to a place where there's sunshine. You go to a place where you don't have to jack around with problems like the NCAA, like raising money for NIL, like a problem like Ohio State, who apparently has figured out how to raid Alabama and jump up into NIL money. You don't have to worry about that anymore. And you got a quarterback and you got a roster. 
It's a pretty good way to go. It's a pretty good way to fly. It's a pretty good way to go about the business of being Jim Harbaugh. I mean, that's the bottom line. Once I saw, once I saw that the school suspended Harbaugh, not the Big Ten, not whatever's coming, yes, no, maybe from the NCAA, I knew this was over for Harbaugh in Michigan. I think we told you that. It's simple. Nothing happens in a bubble. These are personal relationships, a coach with an athletic director, a coach, an athletic director, a president. They're personal relationships. You know, sometimes there's a sport coordinator, which means there's an assistant athletic director who is the liaison between the athletic director and the head coach. That doesn't really happen at a place like Indiana basketball, Michigan football, Duke, Ohio State football. You're pretty much, you and the AD are are tied together. The AD comes out of this looking pretty good, too, because he's the guy that said, look, I got a contract on his desk. And I think that everybody, maybe for the first time ever, everybody understands why Harbaugh left and why Michigan probably isn't that mad to see him go. Now, what happens next? We all say that, oh, man, Harbaugh left. And you know what you do before you go to bed? You say, okay, who's the next coach? Sean Moore's got to be the next coach. I texted with Urban last night. I said, hey, man, we going to Michigan? Let's go. Let's go. I want to be the sideline coach. Get back. Get the get back coach. Back, back, get back. I want my own office away from everybody else. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear from the head coach or the assistant. I just, I'm the get back coach. I'm the game day man, but I don't want to hear it. Anybody got a problem with me? Put it in a box. His answer was no. We're not going. Damn it. I want to go stand on those sidelines. My son went to Michigan. I paid a lot of money. I'm de facto a Michigan man now that the cheating is done. But you got to hire Sharon Moore. Look, if you can get Brian Kelly, that'd be hard to say no to, but you got to hire Sharon Moore. Sharon Moore fits every box. Not just because, not because he's African-American and young. Now, and that, well, that does fit the boxes. But the dude handled himself unbelievable as the associate or the interim head coach. He was terrific. Now, he had an advantage because Harbaugh was with the team, and it wasn't like interim coach. Like when I was the interim coach at Indiana, I was the enemy to the players because that's just the way it worked out. But as the head coach, when the head coach could be there, uh, there is not an enemy of the players. So just go hire Sharon Moore, get the thing going, get yourself some NIL money, and see what the hell happens. All right, let me get into something here. Harbaugh is not allowed to play the victim, and neither is Travis Kelsey. Would you all agree with me? I mean, raise your hands. Is Travis Kelsey allowed to play the victim? I mean, let, let's, just, let's just encapsulate this here, and I'm going to explain what he's doing as a victim. You got, you're on the best team. Okay. Your team's really good. Super Bowl champs, driving to another Super Bowl. Will you get there? I don't know, but it's, you know, you're, you're there. You're the best tight end in football. You're dating the hottest pop star in America, in the world. I mean, if you're going to say who's the hottest entertainer, I'm not that big anymore because I don't get People Magazine anymore. I used to love People Magazine for the crossword puzzles. I digress. But if I'm going to say to you, who is the number one pop star in the country, in the world, you'd probably say Taylor Swift, no? So you're dating Taylor Swift, all right? Your brother... Big old guy, great dude, seems like Jason Kelsey, is ripping his shirt off in a suite, chugging beers, jumping out of the suite, kissing babies literally, hanging with fans, and this is all on the road. This is all in Buffalo. 
And Travis Kelsey has the cojones to say this. He played the victim. There's a lot of hate pulling up to that stadium. Good. Good. Understandably, it's a football game. Did it get a little disrespectful? 1,000%. See, here's the thing. There are certain things that you can just say in this world. You can say verbal abuse. He was verbally abusive to me. Oh, that coach verbally abused me. Oh, shut up. Just shut up with that. The other thing is you can use the word disrespectful. You can always say disrespectful. He was disrespectful. What does that mean? Well, they said, what? It's a football game. You said it yourself. Disrespectful can be used to encompass everything. Well, can you believe they were disrespectful? Well, I mean, look at you. I mean, look at you. You're looking like a slap here. Of course they're disrespectful to you. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say what because that's what they want. I'm not going to say what they said, okay, because that's what they want. I'm not going to relay it. Some things were said about the family. Some pretty inappropriate things were said about Patrick. It was pretty whack. Really? I mean, you don't think? Look, outside of dropping a racial slur, I got to tell you, I hate to say this, but in football, it seems like we want to embrace, support, enhance Bill's Mafia, wacky guy outside screaming at the team. I mean, look, racial slurs off limits. And if you give a racial slur, you got to just be kicked out of stadium, banned, and let's not do it. But I'm taking that out. Unless they gave Patrick a racial slur, what do you expect them to do? When you're coming in with your whole sideshow, the sideshow of Taylor Swift, the sideshow of your brother, ripping off his shirt, jumping into the crowd, acting like the Incredible Hulk. What do you think? On the road, everybody's just going to (laughs) go, yay. Oh, look at Travis. Oh, no. Wrong with you. Don't complain it. You enhanced it. You wanted it. You did it. And now all of a sudden you're a victim? You're a victim. All right, well, here's our guy Clay Travis reacting to a potential Super Bowl with Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Let's hear from our leader. Baltimore has to beat the Chiefs. I can't handle Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey coverage for two weeks at the Super Bowl. (laughs) I'm going to say what our boss Gary says. It's gotten... My daughter, like it did Gary's daughter, like it has Aaron's daughter, to think about, talk about football with her dad. And that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. That's something I can get down with. My daughter, Laura, sending me clips from New Heights, the podcast that the Kelseys do, is awesome. Me sending my daughter clips of the Kelsey brothers jumping, or the Kelsey brother, Jason, jumping out of the suite has bound us together. It has. And as you get older and your kids move away, you're looking for things to bind yourself to them because now they're working their own lives. Now they're doing their deal. My son's coaching, man. 
It's like I told him the other day, what are you doing? You don't call your dad back? What, you got burner phones? What are you doing? You, and he started laughing. He goes, Dad, you remember? I'm here at 7 in the morning. I get home at 10 at night. What the hell? We're working here. It's middle of the season. I'm like, ah. So you want a connection. I want, I want more Kelsey and Swift. I want more content. I'm in love with the love story. But I got to ask a question. Who the hell are all these people around Taylor Swift all the time? Like, I don't know who these people are. I think bottom left is Kelsey's wife or Kelsey's mother. I think to Taylor Swift's left here, it looks like maybe that's one of the wives, maybe Mahomes' wife. I don't know. But Taylor Swift always walks in with a bunch of people. Like one of our guys, I think it was Chuck, said, hey, man, I want to go to an IU game with you and just film you with interacting with the people. I'm like, dude, I played there 100 years ago. I don't have people. I go to an IU game. I mean, people are awesome. I guess maybe there would be. People come up for autographs, not autographs, pictures, things like that. That's cool. But I go with my wife, stand in line at Will Call to get our tickets, and then I go to my seat. But these dudes, man, you haven't made it until you got a bunch of dudes. And you haven't made it until I haven't made it until I get some little white dude that does everything for me. First little white dude that I saw do everything for was Shaq. Shaq, when we were filming Blue Chips, I don't know what year it was, whatever year it was, 90, whatever. Shaq had a little white dude. I go, what's he do? He goes, I ah, does everything for Shaq. I go, what's that mean? He goes, he does everything. Whatever Shaq needs done, he does. I'm like, okay. I just want a little white dude to hang around. I just want a little white dude to be my Shaq little white guy. I think it'd be all right. Hey, this is weird story. This is just weird story, weird story, weird story. So Tyreek Hill, he of many babies, he of some, I don't know, is he married, is he not? Let me explain. Tyreek Hill, we're going to show you a timeline here. He filed for divorce from Keita Vaccaro 76 days after they got married, according to a court document. But Tyreek Hill denies it and says they are happily married. November 8th, Tyreek Hill marries Keita Vaccaro in Austin, Texas. Okay. December 20th. Listen to this one. These are the morals that we're all supposed to follow. December 20th, Tyreek has third child with another woman. As two other baby mamas file paternity suits. How about this one? January 3rd, massive fire destroys his house. Huh? Massive fire? Destroys a house? In Southwest Ranches, Florida? See, here's why I get suspicious about this, okay? Where I live here, when I saw that fire destroys house, there are two fires in the sporting world that were kind of during, I don't know, when I was younger and the same age as the guys that happened. Andre Risen's wife was a pop star, Left Eye or whatever the hell her name was, in some woman group that was really popular, TLC. Apparently, she got pissed, burned his house down. Reggie Miller lives on the lake that I live on. In fact, Reggie's first house is up and around not very far from here. Beautiful house. There are different kind of houses on this lake. I live in an okay house. I'm the, I'm the lower end, but 
Paul George on the other side of the lake, or it's a different world. So Reggie was living right here. Reggie built a house in Hamilton County, which is still on the lake, but across. That's where the big, big houses is. And guess what happened? I think this is proven, but I'm going to say alleged. Allegedly, Reggie Miller's wife burnt the shack down. So let's go back to the timeline real quick. So when I see a timeline that involves baby mama drama, wedding yes, wedding no, babies by other women, and then a house burnt down, forgive me if I don't hearken, yes, we're hearkening today, if I don't hearken back to Reggie Miller getting the shack burnt down here right on this lake, right outside, pew, it's on the other side of the lake, but it was on this lake. In fact, it's kind of a tourist attraction. Yeah, that's Reggie's old house. Yeah, the house that got burnt down, that's over there. I'll show you if we go on a boat. So we got a fire on the 3rd. Uh, 22nd, public records indicate that Tariq Hill filed for divorce from Keita. 23rd, Tariq Hill says, no, didn't do it. No, we did not file for divorce. Well, they show the divorce record. They show the record of the divorce. They show the paperwork filed in court of the divorce. I mean, that ain't hard. You know what I mean? So there's Ty Hill saying, nah, I don't know if we have the record of the divorce, but regardless, that's it. Boy, no, the heck we didn't, so don't put that in the air. We're happily married and going to stay that way. Well, the Sun Sentinel Dolphins, that right there, uh, they said, and they showed in Broward County, they had filed for divorce. Look. Get in close here. Come in here. My grandfather, the great John Wurz, a noted coxman, he told me and the great Uwe Blop one day, we're hanging out having a beer at the PNA Silver Bells on, Broad, on Broadway, and he's running the joint. My grandfather, John Wurz, a great man, did so many great things. He was the head of the draft in Northwest Indiana. He was a guy, I've told this story before, used to let the Jackson 5 practice at his place. He had uh, terrible things happen to him in robberies, things like that. But my grandfather was a tough-ass dude. And my grandfather, one evening, the great Uwe Blob came to visit me in Maryville, Indiana. And I gave Uwe our little bar tour, which did not include clubs. It included places like the PNA Silver Bells, uh, Milan's where you had to buzz in. Marty had to look at you, let you in because of robberies. My grandfather, while giving us a shot in a beer, a Seagram's, I believe, or maybe it was a Canadian mist, I don't know, looked at me and Uva, and he goes, boys, keep your pecker in your pants. I remember looking to my left at Uva. Uva, who is straight from Germany, Almost spit out the drink for two reasons. One, he didn't like the whiskey. Two, my grandfather's statement. He looked at my grand. He goes, you know, that's good advice. Tyreek Hill, keep the pecker in the pants. I mean, I go back to this. I go back. How am I going to equate this to Dick Vermeil's speech to Indiana's basketball team? You guys know if you paid attention, Dick Vermeil told us, don't complicate winning. Don't complicate your life. Don't be a farm animal. I look outside, I got deer. Sometimes a deer banging. 
They're humping. Don't be a farm animal that just goes out and throws his thing in stuff. And then all of a sudden you got to answer for divorce and other things. I'm not telling you how to live. I'm just telling you how human beings live. Jeez. I mean, let me ask you a question. How do you win with that? I know he's talented and I know, but how do you win with all this? How do you win? Do the four teams left have any of this going on? I don't know. But I'm an NFL fan. I'm a, I'm a Dolphins fan. I'm a Tyreek Hill fan. I'm a whatever fan. I got to ask myself a question. How the hell do I win with this? Man, you don't understand. No, I do understand. You don't understand. We like giving. We love giving players a pass. Man, you don't understand. No, 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 no. Keep your pecker in your pants. It's good words to live by. It's good words. Solid. All right. You know what I smell? I smell something fishy. I do. I smell something fishy. What do I smell? Fishy Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers, all of a sudden, it was, I forget which Nick said it yesterday during our our post-show 5 o'clock meeting, but one of them said, you know what, when they announced that they were getting rid of Adrian Griffin in Philadelphia, it was almost simultaneously, and it could have been in the same release, they were hiring Doc Rivers. That, ladies and gentlemen, is good GMing. That is how you're supposed to run a search. I don't know whether or not the NBA has Rooney rules where you got to actually interview a white dude. Seems like that's what you should have to do in the NBA. Hey, look, the Rooney rule in the NFL, you got to, I know, you got to interview a couple black guys, people of color. NBA, you got to interview a white dude. I don't know. But what I'm saying is, that's good GMing. Why is that good GMing? Because I got a top drawer right here. Right here. Right here is a top drawer. Now, there's a lot of crap in this top drawer. I would win, like, I would win a, uh, let's make a deal. I got a dollar bill in the top drawer. I got some Ethernet services in the top drawer. But I got a top drawer. And if I'm a head coach, which I was for 10 years, I had a stack, a list of guys that I would hire as assistants. If I was a head, if I was the general manager of an NBA team, I would have a list in order on a piece of paper, people that I would hire in order when this thing goes south, if this thing goes south, if I'm Aaron or I'm Gary. I got a list in the top drawer. Who would replace Dakish? Like, you know, Charlie, hot mind, they're irreplaceable. Dakish, anyway, that's what you do. That's good GMing. You don't sit around and say, well, you know, we're going to hire a search firm from the middle of Montana because the guy running the search firm is going to get us in a bowl game. No, 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 we're not doing any of that. I need a head coach. Because I don't like the head coach. And again, wait for it. You'll never hear this anywhere else. That's why this is the greatest show on on TV, streaming, whatever. Here's the deal. This didn't just happen the day they fired him. This started happening the day Terry Stotts quit back in training camp. 
Terry Stotts, very respected coach, was Damian Lillard's head coach with Portland, brought in. He looked at the situation. He said, I'm out. I'm out. Now, this wasn't a guy that was brought in as a 10th assistant to sit behind the bench. This was a guy that was brought in to be a full-time assistant, to coach a team that potentially is going to win an NBA title with maybe the greatest player in the game right now, the Greek freak. And he says, I'm out. I'm gone. Adios. Sayonara. Lacanoche. Hasta la vista, baby. Or whatever else that I can say. That is when I go to my, boom. I go to my top drawer and I start figuring out who's available, who might be available. Now, Doc Rivers is the cure-all hire. And it was actually a bit surprising to see there was a little bit of negativity about Doc Rivers being hired. See, Doc Rivers is the guy that gets hired for the best jobs. He's the guy that you know is going to stay out of the way. He covers all the bases, former NBA player, by every account a great dude. But Doc Rivers, ladies and gentlemen, has screwed up more teams than he has helped. Now, what does screwed up mean? Losing the first round when you had more talent. That's basically what I would say. Because the fact of the matter is, in the NBA, talent wins out, seven-game series. We're going to eventually, water going to find its level. So 43 games in, four, uh, 30 and 13, Doc Rivers takes over. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. The general manager of Milwaukee doesn't give a reason why they fired Adrian Griffin. Somebody, somebody asked him about this. Somebody said, well, is it a decline in the metrics, the analytics of defense that convinced them they can't win a championship? Jeez, I don't know. But he did say this, Horst, who is a GM. Listen to this. This is not about players' comments. This is not about things said or unsaid. This is my job. This is the organization's job at the top to evaluate every single day all areas of the organization and feel like whether we're getting or not getting the most out of that group. If we feel like we can maximize the talent of this group better, we make a change, and that's why we made it. Look, I'm not going to lie. Nobody's a victim in this. Adrian Griffin probably won't be a head coach again, but he's going to get paid every dime that he ever was promised. That's the way NBA contracts work. He's going to make millions to walk away, and isn't that the dream? Isn't that the goal of every American worker, to get paid for not working? I don't know. So Doc Rivers had a loaded Clippers team, had a loaded Sixers team, and failed to get out of the first round or second round. Sixers fired Rivers after three straight second-round exit, and now he's the guy to lead the team. He's the perfect guy. Company man, smart, respected, all those things. He walks in, you're like, hey, that's Doc Rivers. What does ESPN do now? Do they leave it to, I guarantee you, they leave it to Doris Burke. Doris Burke's fine. I mean, they got rid of Mark Jackson. They got rid of uh, Van Gundy, Jeff Van Gundy. For what? For Doris Burke and Doc Rivers. So last night, they thanked Doc Rivers for their service at ESPN, and I thought that was pretty funny. I think everything's funny. But, hey, that's good GMing. 
Whenever you hear, like, I don't know what Michigan's doing. You got to, here's the deal. College is different. You got to post a job for seven days. You got to post it. So maybe they have told Sharon, why, uh, Sharon Moore, look, we're going to hire you. But in college, you got to post the NBA. Hey, look, I'm the owner. Doc Rivers, you're out. Doc, it's you're in. Nick, you're out. Doc, it's you're in. You know what I mean? I mean, what the hell? You can do whatever you want. And I'm down with it. That's good GMing. Whether you like the hire or not, whether you think Adrian Griffin got screwed, your job in professional sports is to win, period. Hell, in Indiana, we're on a 10-year plan with the guy with the Colts. That, that's not the same. That, that's not the same evaluation process as what you're seeing or what you saw with the Bucs. There's a different level of expectation, and I applaud Big-time expectations. You know, a couple things happened yesterday. A couple things that are interesting to me. Both of them involve former athletes. Do you remember Nick Stauskas, who was a really good player at Michigan? This is when you got a problem. See, I'm a huge Indiana basketball fan. Where is it? Right there. I don't go to games. I don't want to be the old guy hanging around the golf tournament. I, You know, I... But I like them enough to criticize them. And so, of course, Indiana Fringe fans hate me. Indiana Fringe fans, oh, you suck, Doc. It's, you're the worst, blah, 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 blah. All right, I suck. I'm the worst. Okay. But you have a certain pride in your program. You have a pride. Like, look, a lot of us, not me, but a lot of guys helped add to the tradition of Indiana, or in Stauskas' case, into Michigan. Stauskas, who I like, he and Andrew played together. He became a really big deal in his own mind and all this kind of stuff. And I didn't blame him. That was cool. But Stauskas had this to say about Michigan. He did not hold back. These kids have no respect or understanding of what it means to put on that Michigan uniform. Haven't left any kind of passion or love for the game from haven't felt any kind of passion or love for the game from Michigan basketball in years. Good for him. Good. He loves the program enough to call it out. Good. It's exactly how I feel about Indiana. Exactly. I see Indiana guys would never wear headbands in the NCAA tournament because they want to enhance their brand when they hadn't worn a headband all year. That's not a big deal to you, but it's a big deal to a lot of guys. A lot of guys. Here's Howard's record. Joan Howard with Beeline Guys won the Big Ten, went to the Elite Eight, won National Coach of the Year 2021. Since then, he's 44-43. Last night, had the biggest Michigan loss since 06. During the same time, he struck a coach, was restrained to avoid fighting another, and an altercation with his own staff. Okay, let me explain that to you. The record is what really matters here. The last part is some weasel. During the same period, he struck a coach, restrained to fight another, and had an altercation with his own staff. That's what I've always told you about the list. Remember I tell you about the list? It's the list. When you don't have the record that the folks want you to have, what comes next? The list. The vaunted. The dreaded. The list. He struck a coach. He had to be restrained from another. 
He had to be restrained from fighting his own staff, John, uh, John Sanderson. He had all those things. The list, ladies and gentlemen. Nobody really cares about the list unless your record isn't good enough. And truth of the matter is, fact of the matter is, Howard won. He did. He won with Beeline's guys. Not only Beeline's guys, and this is something people do not understand. He won with Beeline's culture. My son played in Beeline's culture. Beeline had a great culture. Beeline's culture was one of teaching, one of improvement, one of team basketball, and he had offensive and defensive sets that were smarter, particularly on the offensive side, than anywhere else. So this guy wins with a few. And this guy then, when he coaches his own crew, it ain't as easy. It's not. It's very hard. Very, very hard. So at the end of the day, what you do with your own guys matters. And when former players start coming out of the woodwork. Mm. Former players at Indiana, I had four of them hit me up yesterday. I had four of them hit me up yesterday. I think I talked about it, and I'm like, look, you want to come on my show? We'll talk good about Indiana. We'll talk bad about Indiana. We'll just talk as Indiana players. Guy said, well, if there's anything good to talk about, uh, I'll be shocked. We love the school. Greg McElroy, the national champion quarterback for Alabama, keeps hearing from fans that he hates Alabama. He addressed it yesterday. He said, hey, you clowns, nothing can be farther from the truth. Greg's become one of the main guys on ESPN. I'm just telling you, when you are an announcer, you don't hate your school. But when you are, a form, you don't, when you are just an announcer, you don't hate, you don't love. You just go. When you're an announcer that has a great pride and whether it's being, I, I don't have great pride in the fact that I averaged three or four points a game at Indiana or that we beat Michael Jordan. I don't have any pride. I, I have pride of the hard work it took to get me to play at Indiana after almost dying at birth, having a bone disease that I had to sit out a year of high school, didn't know if I could run again, much less play basketball again, and ended up, I couldn't touch the rim, but somehow ended up two-time captain at Indiana. And I got great pride in the program. People don't understand that. When you have great pride in a program, you feel compelled to criticize it. So good for Stauskas. And good for all you former Indiana players. Brian Evans went on a show and just ripped ass. Good for him. All right. Yeah. Hey, you guys like Tyrus? I like Tyrus. I'm a big fan of Tyrus. I got some betting coming up, though. I got some things that you're going to like. Let me tell you something. Dave Ross is one of my favorite guests because Dave Ross will shoot you straight. He's with VEASAN. I want to know who he is betting on. I got my pen. I got my paper. I do. I do. And we're going to talk to a Marine Corps veteran, host of VEASAN, Dave Ross, next. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Uh, oh, man, I didn't realize that was coming up on Fox. My bad. Uh, we'll get into that. I'm talking to myself. Dave, this is what I do. When you're sitting down here, and you know this, when you do radio, it's not, it's not human, right? You're basically talking to yourself. 
Yeah. So sometimes you argue with yourself. All right, you're a Marine. As a Marine. Uh-huh. All right, we're going we're gonna to watch how I tie this in. This is veteran radio right here. As a Marine, <laughs> taking gambling and taking oh. personal feelings for anybody out of it, who do you feel best represents the Marines in the final four of the NFL? Oh That's John a good question. It's a great question. Woo! And I, I think it's John Harbaugh. Like, I, I look at John, I look the way he coaches, the old school nature to him, obviously getting it from his dad, Jack, and we all know about Jim now going to the uh, L.A. Chargers. That whole family, I mean, when you heard Dean Spanos basically say, Jim Harbaugh, and I know, Dan, this might rub you the wrong way a little bit. Like, he represents all that is football. Like, But that is, it's kind of that military. It's the way that they're disciplined with what they do, how they do it, whether we like it or not, whether we think it's shady on the side sometimes. That's kind of the Harbaugh way. It's very military. It's very Marine Corps-esque. We get up early in the morning. We put in, hopefully, an honest day's work, and then we go to bed at night, and we feel good about it, about the process, whether or not it leads to wins or not. But I look at John Harbaugh, and I'd say he would be the guy. And I've met John a couple of times, so I do have an affinity for him. Uh, back when he was a special teams coach in Philly, and I was in Washington, D.C., covering the Redskins. And just, just a great family. We know Dave Feldman and Feldy and Jim played high school basketball together and with Bill Pito and they combined for 46 points. Pito and Feldy had two. Like the Harbaugh's do everything. So to me, it's John Harbaugh would represent the good old USMC the best. I I give you John. I'm not giving you Jim. I get I get Jim and the football and they do a great job. They probably the best coach team in the country, but I can't Cheating in college sports is not a victimless crime, is the way I look at it. Other coaches, so I'll give you, I'll give you, John. Let's move on to what I really want to know because, well, I'm on a bit of a heater. And I'm on a bit of a heater gambling because, yeah, I'm kind of taking people's advice. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I got my pen, I'm writing stuff down. I'm, do you think my theory of, Urban Meyer, Nick Saban, you always take them if they're getting points, okay? I added the Chiefs. Always take the Chiefs and the points. Is that too broad for an experienced gambler like yourself? No, it's not. And I'll tell you this, the numbers bear it out. Like Patrick Mahomes as an underdog, you just take Patrick Mahomes as an underdog. And, Dan, I get it this week. If you're getting three and a half, I actually saw some fours popping out there yesterday with the Ravens now up to a four-point favorite in some spots. Now, here's the thing. For me – I have a ticket, and I love the futures market in the NFL, and I got a ticket at plus 1250 for the Ravens to win the AFC. This is back in spring-summer when those numbers were first coming out. And, Dan, I'm kicking myself because the night that it came out, out here in Vegas, a number was posted at 20-1 to for the Ravens to win the AFC. I slept on it, woke up, and it was down to 1250. So I didn't even get the best of the number. Everybody's like, oh, Everybody's like, oh, you got a great number. And I'm like, yeah, I didn't even get the best of it. That's how quickly things changed even eight months ago. And it was all predicated on one thing for me, Dan. It was, can the great eight stay healthy for 17 games? Because if Lamar Jackson could stay healthy, I figured, well, he's in Joe Burrow's camp. And and obviously the Bengals coming off what they had done the last couple of years certainly were a favorite to win that division. I took the Ravens at plus 275 to win the North, cash those, got the 1250 ticket. So now – 
I'm in a, 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 a not it's not a hedge, and there's a difference between a middle and a hedge that a lot of novice gamblers don't really realize yet. I've got a middle opportunity here where I could play the Chiefs plus four, plus three and a half, and hope that the Ravens win by less than the number, and I cash both tickets. But, Dan, I'm not going to do that because I'm too weary. I want this 12.50 to hit. I'm going to tease up the Chiefs. And for those that don't know what a teaser is, six-point tease, you got to find a dance partner for that two-team six-point tease. But I'm going to tease the Chiefs up to nine and a half, and I feel really good about getting Patrick Mahomes and nine and a half points in any game here, but let alone a big one like an AFC title game. And I'll tell you where the other one's going here when we get to the NFC side. But that's how I played the game, knowing that I have in pocket a plus twelve fifty ticket on the Ravens to win the AFC. Let me let me let me go to something, and I'm gonna stay with that game, and then we'll we'll move on to your tease. You're right. Um, I try before I look. I try to say what would I make the line be. What would I yes. make it be? Because I feel like I sat my fat ass down. I've watched every minute of every playoff game between the Chiefs and the, and the Ravens, right? I've, I've watched, and I thought to myself the over-under. I thought to mm. myself, well, I'll probably go 47. I probably don't think it's going to get to 50. It's 44 and a half. Now, I did not know that something like this. I did not know that the Chiefs had not given up 30 points all year in a game. I, I didn't know that. I, I, the Chiefs' defense is terrific. But having said that, am I wrong when I say 44-and-a-half seems low to me? No, and I'll tell you this. I was on the over last week with the Chiefs and the Bills. It got there in the third quarter. Now, it, it slowed down, obviously, in that fourth quarter with some scoring opportunities uh, getting away. I actually played an alt-over total that didn't get there at 52-and-a-half, and I thought I had that one locked up as well because I expected a lot of points in that game last weekend. I don't expect as many this week, but I think 44 is a little bit low for my blood too because, again, we're looking at 21-all, you're home free, Dan, and I could certainly see a scenario where as long as the Chiefs are better in the red zone, they were better last week, and Travis Kelsey got his two touchdowns and looks like 15-87 and 87 got their groove back a little bit there. I'd be surprised if that went away again this weekend. I think early on it might be a little bit tough sledding, but I think the points will come eventually. This is one of those games I'd look to either a live total. If you don't get points in the first seven and a half minutes, that number, Dan, will drop dramatically down to maybe 39, 38. That's when I might hop back in there at the over and see if I can get a little stalled start and expect those points to come. But I think eventually that number's set right, and I think we'll be right around that total at the end. So if you tease that down, I know we don't like to tease totals a lot in the NFL. I don't think that's a bad play at all, teasing that down to 38, 37 and a half in some shops. I think you'll get home eventually. Yeah, I'm, I'm really anxious to see what happens there because I, I honestly thought, I, you know, God, I think I'm going to play. I, I'm going to play that, and I'm going to play it pretty big because I, I, it just uh, my brain was so different than where it was. But before I loop, move off this game, you yeah. know, there's a debate. It's the Kelsey Swift. Are you tired? My guy Clay Travis says, "Look, you got to lose, Chiefs. I can't go two weeks." I and our big boss Gary, Gary's daughter is talking football with him. My daughter's talking football with him with me right. because of Kelsey. I, I love that, right? So where are you in the whole, I'm tired of Kelsey and Swift. I love Kelsey and Swift. Where are you? Uh, I'm in the indifferent camp, Dan. I, I really do okay. not give one rats you know what about it at all. But yeah. I, I applaud, I, I, if it really is bringing in a new audience, and look, I'm not a Swifty. 
I don't get into all that. And I had a debate with some of my producers out here in Vegas with young kids, Dan. And I was like, like, she's not on Michael Jackson 80s level. And they're like, oh, no, no, she's bigger. And I'm like, what? Are right, Have you kids lost your mind? Like, do you really believe that Taylor Swift is above MJ in the 80s and not the basketball playing one? So, like, I have to take a step back when I'm told that by today's youth that she is that big. And if she is on the Michael Jackson level of the 80s, this is just ingenious. Every director in the NFL should be, it's like, all right, take three. And camera three is Taylor Swift in the box. And you keep taking camera three. As many opportunities as you get, if that's going to bring in a new audience. I mean, what is Roger Goodell? What is the NFL owners? What do they want more than anything? Revenue. And if she helps bring in yet a new untapped market that is the Swifties out there, Smart. It is a smart stroke of genius on their part. But look, it has it impacted Kelsey's game? I think that's a fair debate. Like, you know, I, there's so much fake outrage over this and that and the other. Like, that's a fair question. If you really think that the play of Kelsey was lowered this year because of maybe going away and going to concerts, not as busy, involved in practice, all those things I think are fair and on the table to discuss. But it looks like he's rounded into form because I heard of, you know, he's lost a he's lost the step and, you know, father time's undefeated and maybe he's a little bit long in the tooth. Now, he looked really good against Buffalo. I expect another big game out of Kelsey this week. And I know the conspiracy theorists out there like, oh, the NFL's not keeping Taylor Swift out of the Super Bowl is how they're phrasing it here. I don't buy that for a second. I think it comes to an end this weekend. I do like Baltimore to ultimately win this game, but I do think it's going to be a tight field goal type game. You know, you talked about directors. Their first guy, it was called the Bob Knight cam. The yeah. College basketball, when, it, when NBC started, uh, you know, Bob Knight and then ESPN, took, they had a camera at the end of our bench that was just focused on Bob Knight. It was just right. And I remember as a player coming over, he was going to get ready to scream at me. We were playing Iowa, and I'm running over. And I saw that freaking camera right there, and the red light popped on, and he's screaming. And I know this is on national TV, right? I'm getting my ass ripped on national TV, game of the week. Oh, man, come on. So I know that camera. All right, 49ers, Lions, this spread is seven. Man, they like themselves some Brock Purdy. I, seven seems a bunch. It seems a bunch. What are your thoughts? I'm with you. I feel like it's a little bit too high. And here's the deal, Dan. This is definitely going to be a, a public versus a, a sharp play here. I think the sharps are going to be on San Francisco. And I think the public will buy into the narrative of the Motor City Kitties and the first time for this and the first time since that. And I haven't won a championship since 1957. All those things. And they are true and they are great stories. But sometimes the public wins too. And I say this all the time. And I think the public might be on the right side here in Detroit plus seven. Look, the weather is what bothers me a little bit. And I have played the Lions here. And I mentioned that with the tees with the Chiefs. I've teased them up to 13 and taken the Chiefs plus nine and a half. So I actually think this will be a one score game. But I think the Lions, and this is the shocking part for me and kind of the revelation of what I've seen with the Niners defense as the season has gone on. Nobody's scared of that Niners defense. It is not what we think the Niners defense is. So as long as the rain, and I know, look, you look historically at any 
game back in the day of candlestick, you know, any championship game with Montana or, or Steve Young, and now this iteration of the Niners, it always seems to rain, right, in every January home playoff game. And I think we're going to get more of that uh, this weekend. If it's not a downpour, if it's kind of like it was against the Green Bay Packers where it was a light drizzle the whole way, I think Jared, Jared Goff will be okay. But the numbers are staggering when you look at the Lions outside of the Dome and on grass versus inside on the fast track. It is dramatic. But I do think, and I can't believe I'm saying this in the year of our Lord, 2024, I trust Jared Goff more than I do Brock Purdy at this stage of the season and of their careers. And Goff still was a number one pick overall. I know we count the Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, against him. We shouldn't. He's been really good this year. He's he's earned all those accolades. But I'm going to trust the pedigree of a Goff getting to a Super Bowl before and on the verge of knocking on the door again. I actually think the Lions are game and live to win this game. I'm taking the seven. I'm taking the 13 on a teaser. I'm buying in that the Motor City Kitties are for real. But their defense is a problem, too, and I'm expecting a lot of points in this one, too. Aaron Glenn's defense has not been as good as, as advertised either. Hey, I want to make sure that we get your teaser. Give the two-team teaser that you talked about so we have it all in a little bundle here. I got the Lions plus 13, and I teased that with the Chiefs taking them up to nine and a half. Again, I think the Ravens win the game, but I think it's going to be a field goal type game. So in case 15, Patrick Mahomes does this on his jersey again and lets everybody know that he's still the guy, I'm going to be able to feel pretty comfortable with those nine and a half points in tow. I do think the Ravens will get it done. But the Lions, I think, are live to win the game. I've teased them up to 13. I think it's going to be a shootout. I think it's a game in the high 20s, and I can see this overhitting as well. But I do like the Lions to be live, not pick them to win, but certainly to stay within that number of 13 and probably in the number of seven. You know what the greatest thing about teasers is? When you write them down, and I just wrote your teaser down, Lions plus 13, and yes, and the Chiefs plus nine. Oh, crap, they're going to pay off? They're going to pay this off? Are you crazy? Oh, no way. You can't. It is amazing. Yeah. It, go ahead. Well, the, the, I think the trap, and I've fallen for it in the pack, past as a more of a novice better. I think that the trap is on a regular week in the NFL, people will do four, five, 16 teasers, and you get more points. And it just takes that one upset to really upset the whole apple card here. So in a, in a situation like this, we just have two games. I do like both of these sides here and teasing them up. I'm not opposed, and I know some people in our company and, and elsewhere in the gambling space don't like teasing totals, but I wouldn't be I wouldn't be that scared of teasing one of these two totals as well. I think we're getting points in both these games. I just feel more confident uh, confident about the sides and just keep it a two teamer, keep it short and sweet, minus a dollar ten. I'll take that right there at plus thirteen and plus nine and a half. Yeah, that's a genius, people. That's a genius. Um, I want to get political before I let you go. Yeah. Trump is obviously the, the projected oh. favorite. Nikki Haley running mate. Where are we here? What, what kind of action should somebody that's going to dip their toe into the political gambling specter? Sphere, well, specter, whatever well, the hell it is. I, I will say this, Dan, and I go back to 2016. And one of my good buddies, you might know him, Tim Doyle played college basketball at Northwestern. Timmy and I are good buddies. Mm -hmm. We're working together in Chicago. And I'm like, you know, this is, this is when Trump was still, you know, a political novice and really didn't think he was going to win. And I was like, Timmy, he's got no chance to win. And to start off on election day in 2016, 
you could have gotten Hillary Clinton at like minus seven, eight hundred. Huge favorite. And as we're getting ready to do a show together in Chicago, Timmy's eyes, he's just light up. And he goes, Ross, look at this. And the number has gone from like, you know, minus 800 down to like minus 400. I'm like, whoa. And then it goes to like minus 200. And before we can get to our seven o'clock show in Chicago, it's even money. And Dan, I'm like, follow the money, baby. Something's happening. And I can see it all flipping. Go, go fast forward to 2020. Same deal. Trump's a huge favorite. And then all of a sudden, the numbers start going down. I'm like, oh, no, here we go. And then, bam, Trump skyrockets to this massive favorite. And then nighttime happens, and somehow he loses. So you could have two-wayed that action all day in 2020 and made money on either side of Biden and Trump because they swung favorites as the night went on. Look, as an outsider looking in, I feel like this is one-way traffic with, with, with Donald Trump in 2024. I can't see him losing the general, and I know everybody's like, "Oh, he needs Nikki, Nikki Haley's votes, and he's got to get the conservative, the suburban women, you know." And all, I'm hearing all that, and I'm thinking, as long as he's officially on the ballot, and check all your books to make sure that if he gets take, he gets railroaded there, and he can't right. actually run, that your ticket is still alive. But if it comes down to Trump and Biden, I got to think Trump's a massive favorite. I would think around minus three dollars if I was setting the line right now to open in the favorite of the former president. Donald Trump to get it back in 2024. That's where my money would be. Who would your money be on as Trump's running mate? Ooh, great question, Dan. Look, I, I like Vivek. I think he's got a, he's fresh. He's young. I think he can get a new energy to a younger demographic in the uh, Republican party. You know, the, the, the thing about Nikki Haley and getting to what I just discussed, Dan, and wrapping up the suburban women vote that he lost to Joe Biden in 2020, could they really, can you really mend those fences? And before you say no, just remember what Kamala Harris and Joe, Kamala Harris called Joe Biden a racist running against him. And then when she bows out, she becomes a vice president. We just all forgot that somehow. Like you can, if you can patch that fence, and get those two, and apparently, by all counts, maybe it's not, it's a little frosty right now between the Veep and, and the uh, commander in chief these days. But if you go back and they were actually able to smooth that over, then I think anything is possible. I think Trump, he is so uh, hell bent on winning that if he really is told that Nikki Haley wraps it up, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility she gets the nod. Wouldn't be my pick. But if it's a strategic move, I could see it the way Joe did with Kamala back in 2020. Oh, that's good stuff. Can't wait to have you on again, my friend. Let's go. We got a can't-miss teaser. Damn it. Can't miss. I love it. Hey, Don't thanks, my friend. Have a great – Thank you, Dan. Don't add him. No, no, no. No adding. No adding. No adding. Hey, look, we always say this. You lose, walk like a man. It's like dating there when you you're go. divorced. Who cares who's next? Who cares who's <laughs> next? Let's go. Move, keep it moving. See you, my brother. Hey, when Thanks, we come Dan. back, Tyrus. Thank you, Tyrus. We got a new show coming. Our friend Tyrus got a new show coming up on OutKick. Can't wait to talk to the great man, Maintaining with Tyrus. We'll talk to Tyrus next. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network.
I'm telling you, it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time before OutKick becomes your go-to place for literally everything. You know what? We have some smart people that are working here. We have some very smart people, some very, 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 very experienced, very smart people. And you know what? Our friend Tyrus, you know him, you love him, you see him, you see him all over Fox. He's starting a new show. And the new show is going to be right here on OutKick. And we're going to show you a little clip. The show is going to debut February 1st, and we're going to show you a little bit of a tease, a little bit of a tease on what's coming to OutKick with Tyrus. It's called Maintaining with Tyrus, and this is Tyrus having a chat with Piers Morgan. The same thing in the black community when, when I see, like, when I see virtue signaling hires and I see equity hires, it drives me insane because it's like we're going to be judged off this person's inability to be successful with this because well, when you see they were hired for one reason because right. the way they looked or who they slept with. That, I, we don't, that's not what Martin Luther King and the Civil Rights Movement was about. Of course. They had nothing to do with it. It was not hire based off the contents of the color of their skin. And that's such a cheap fix. Mm. But that tells me they don't really want to fix anything. But also crying racism when it didn't happen, when you're a privileged princess, for argument's sake. Yes. Like Meghan Markle, our friend. You know, I got a pretty good singer the other week when I hosted. I, I dedicated it to you, but I, I threw some fire. Because <laughs> ever since, but you were, you're, they tried to take your career away. Well, they're not, they, they not only did she personally write to my boss to get me fired and was successful in leaving me out of a job I loved that was doing very well, but also it turned out exactly as I'd said at the time that there was no evidence for this racism and there's never been any evidence for it. And then fascinatingly in Prince Harry's book, of over 400 pages, he never repeated the racism. Well, thing. she couldn't remember what she wrote, because again, right. I've been And then he said, conspiracy. we didn't mean to say anyone was racist. It was the media, which no. was another lie. So I just think that is very damaging to the cause of racial equality and racial justice, both of which I have promoted my entire career. Yeah, but no I one will, can make that argument. I will call out fake people, whoever they are. <laughs> yeah, that's what our network is about. And I got to pitch in here. Look, I got to pitch in with one of the greats of our show. Uh, Jennifer Gritty. Jennifer says, Tyrus for president, a guy with common sense that can kick your ass. I don't know about you, but I can get down with that. I can get down. First off, I can get down with somebody with common sense. Before we even get to the common sense, I can get down with somebody that doesn't babble. I can get down with that. I can get down bigly with all of that. As we wait on Tyrus, because I know he's doing a bunch of stuff today, uh, I just want to say Tyrus's new show is going to be called Maintaining with Tyrus. Thank you, Lee. And we're going to get, when he comes on, his thoughts on his new show starting on Jan- uh, excuse me, February 1st. And then I want to get his thoughts On the most ridiculous bill in a world of ridiculous bills, we're going to ban tackle football for 12-year-olds in California. They tried it before. It didn't work. They're trying it again. We'll see whether it works. And look, here's the deal. Let me give you my family philosophy. Sack up. Pretty simple. What does it mean? I'm tired. So what? Sack up. Go to school. You get my point. My other family philosophy by the great Thomas Dockich, was, you're going to do something. You're going to do something. What does that mean? Well, 
If you're not going to play football, then you're going to get a job. If you're not going to play Little League Baseball, then you're going to go get a job. Little League Baseball is over if, what are you going to do? You're going to mow grass? You're going to go get a job. You know what I mean? You're, you're going to go get a job, period. See, 12-year-old football is, I would guarantee you, so responsible for keeping so many kids across the country out of trouble, a sense of community, a sense of team, a sense of having to be somewhere, responsibility. Hey, mom, I got practice today. Yeah, ride your bike. Hey, I need a jersey one. I got to be somewhere. Uh, A sense of accomplishment, a sense of failure, all of which are good. But somehow, someway, California wants to say no, and I don't agree with it. I don't. Look, I've said this before. We weren't rich. We weren't poor. My parents were awesome. I mean, I wouldn't have known if we were rich or we were poor. I used to go to a friend of mine's house who I thought was the richest dude alive, and I thought he had the biggest house alive, and now I look at the house and I'm like, huh, huh. You know what I'm saying? No, nobody really knows, but you've got to keep young minds active. You've got to. An inactive mind, even at 61, an inactive mind at 30, an inactive mind at nothing to do. Boredom leads to what? It leads to trouble. And that's with a capital T. Trouble right here in River City. It does. It is. And I'm anxious to see what Tyrus has to say about this because you know what? Got to go do something. And his new show is going to be excellent, and we wait for him. Hey, while we're waiting, let me give out some awards. Can I give out some awards to you, some damn awards? Uh, Stud of the week, other than Tyrus, because we're going to announce his new show. Stud of the week is Donald Trump winning the first two states in the GOP primary. Look, (sighs) why... I thought about this the other day. Trump's really smart from this standpoint. When you are in a position of leadership, you must always act in that position. So debates come, and all these guys are lining up. These guys and girls are lining up. Everybody's lining up to debate. And you know what Trump says? No, I don't need you. I don't need you. I'm not lowering myself to debate against you people that have no chance to win. I'm not doing it. See, I like that. I know who you are. New York Yankees under George Steinbrenner. Know who you are. Go get the best players. Know what my value is. Know what my worth is. And Trump's like, I show up for a debate, and guess what? Then I am giving credence to you guys who have no chance of beating me in said debate. It's that simple. Literally that simple. No, it is. Stud of the week. And he whipped the governor. Look, it's going to be a no-brainer. It's just a matter of whether or not people cheat in the election. It's going to be whether or not ballots get rigged. I mean, look, you can say, I grew up in Gary, Indiana. Are you kidding me? Northwest Indiana, East Chicago, Hammond, Whiting. Elections were rigged every single election. It it was no secret. It it was like Harvey Weinstein in Hollywood. This is no secret. So when you grew up somewhere like I grew up, and you know this has been happening, 
then guess what? You assume it always is happening. Our friend Tyrus is joining us. He's going to have a show. It's going to start on February 1st. I can't wait. Here is a clip with Tyrus and Piers Morgan. A little highlight of the show. What's coming? February 1st. When I see, like, when I see virtue signaling hires and I see equity hires, it drives me insane because it's like we're going to be judged off this person's inability to be successful at this because well, when you see they were hired for one reason because right. the way they look or who they slept with. That, I, we don't, that's not what Martin Luther King and the Civil Rights Movement was about. Of course. It had nothing to do with it. It was not higher based off the contents of the color of their skin. And that's such a cheap fix. Mm-hmm. But that tells me they don't really want to fix anything. But also crying racism when it didn't happen, when you're a privileged princess, for argument's sake. Yes. Like Meghan Markle, our friend. You know, I got a pretty good singer the other week when I hosted. I, I dedicated it to you, but I got too so far. <laughs> but you were, you're, they tried to take your career away. Well, they're not, they, they not only did she personally write to my boss to get me fired and was successful in leaving me out of a job I loved that was doing very well, but also it turned out exactly as I'd said at the time that there was no evidence for this racism and there's never been any evidence for it. And then fascinatingly, in Prince Harry's book of over 400 pages, he never repeated the racism. Well, thing. she couldn't remember what she wrote because, again, right. I've been And then he said, we didn't mean to say anyone was racist. It was the media which no. was another lie. So I just think that is very damaging to the cause of racial equality and racial justice, both of which I have promoted my entire career. Yeah, but no I one will, can make that argument. I will call out fake people, whoever they are. There you go. Maintaining with Tyrus coming to the OutKick Network. OutKick continues to grow. Uh, Tyrus, first, congratulations. Well, actually, first, thanks for being on the show. Second, congratulations, oh. man. Can't wait to get this started. Yeah, I might have to get you on the other side of that chair. See what, see what we can uh, talk about. So, yeah, I'm, it, it's um, we just getting started, but uh, it's 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 fun to just uh, even the background. We're like in an empty building. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's right. no fancy, no makeup. Uh, there isn't even an intro. It just as soon as you get wired, you're in the chair and let's go. So uh, less is more, I believe, and this show is basically a lot less. But hopefully, we we bring up more. So uh, I'm excited. I about felt it. like when I when I, I felt like when I saw where you were doing it, I was going to get whacked. I felt like Sopranos going to come up from behind yeah. in the building and you know give give me a little whacking. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, no, I felt the same when I walked in. Uh, I said to Gary, the producer, I was like. Yo, wait, this is the Joe Pesci part where I go, oh, no. Right. And then there's a shot in the back of the head, and then my boys get a call later on, and it's like, there's nothing we can do about it. Done. So, <laughs> so, uh, duly noted, but I like that better than the, 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 the cushy, comfortable, you know, overlighted backdrops with all the technology and stuff for what is basically a conversation. If your conversation is good enough, and if your interview is good enough, people won't really need the, the, extra accoutrement and stuff just to have it's a it's a it's a it's a show of men talking although we will have women on from time to time but it, it is basically just i'm trying to create a place where men can have a conversation without being asked ridiculously stupid stuff that has nothing to do with them uh there will be no gotcha questions not every person on the show is going to be asked if they're transphobic or homophobic or some kind of phobic instead of finding out you know you don't have to ask those things about people to know if that's who they are. Their, their actions dictate it. And it's usually the people who are asking, the ones who have the issues. 
Sometimes there is, sometimes there isn't meaning behind a title of a show, Maintaining with Tyrus. Why Maintaining with Tyrus? Because everyone, who, uh, every fan that comes up to me or friend my entire life has always asked me, hey, how are you doing? And my answer is always the same, maintaining. And it's just became like a thing to where, how are you living? Maintaining, I'm main, maintaining, boss. So when they were discussing titles, it was basically what it is because right now, maintaining in itself, given the circumstances of the country right now, is about as best you can do is maintaining uh, your current lifestyle and your current way of thinking and talking. There's a lot of there's a lot of potholes and gotcha moments out there for people, and of course, uh, just the general feeling of the country right now is kind of like, ugh, you know, no one feels good about the situation they're in. So maintaining is about as best we can do right now. Uh, I want to get into something. Football in California, 12-year-old football in California. Uh, they want to ban it. Second time it's been on the ballot. You know, I come from northwest Indiana, Gary, Indiana, where there's a lot of stuff going on. And my father, who was a public school teacher, had one thing, and it's, look, you're going to do something. You're going to play football, basketball, baseball, or you're going to get a damn job because sitting around doing nothing ain't happening. Uh, give me your thoughts yeah. on legislation of that type. It's it's should be a decision of parents. Government, again, stepping in on parental decisions, going after football because the, the argument is about concussions, which is at that the younger levels, the, the, the impact isn't as to the level of adults or young men in puberty but what kills me is it's unaffected people who have never played the game of ball football is not just about getting an opportunity to play on sundays it takes young men a lot of times who are lost angry i know the in these day and ages we we're not allowed to say there's differences in the sexes males need outlets especially young angry men especially men who are coming from maybe a one-parent family a mom works a lot or both parents work a lot that camaraderie, that extra time around positive adults, most of the time these these uh, coaches are volunteers. They don't get paid for it. Uh, I always think you can always do more. You have coaches clinics and do more teaching in terms of tap form of tackle. But that it's irrelevant. It's, again, unaffected people who've never, never played the game. We want to ban it because it sounds good. But if you want to ban something, why don't you ban or work on childhood obesity? Why don't you work on uh, – 47-year-old men on chat lines with 13-year-old girls after school. Like, why don't you work on something that actually get done? Like, you can't play rugby now in New Zealand. Like, there's far in baseball, you get hit with a fastball, you get brain damage, you could turn your, you could tear your ACL playing soccer. So, I mean, you can make an argument for every sport. There is danger. Life is full of dangers and potholes. But again, going after I coach youth football uh, in the Snoop Youth Football League and technique was something, and 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 educating ourselves as coaches was top priority. And again. Uh, most of the time, the, the kids are playing it to belong to something, to learn things like accountability, right. discipline, loyalty, friendship, things that will transition and will translate into other jobs, will translate into being a good student. I want to continue my life as a student athlete. I got to have good grades. And I'm willing to put in the work because I'm sweating, busting my butt in football. And we've made, they've made so many changes to the game since. I was coming up. They no longer have two-a-day practices. They no longer have as much hitting. It's more instruction. So, I mean, this is just, again, this is the problem with California. You know, the, the, the so-called 
people working for the people, these uh, government officials come up with stuff that just sounds good. And they're always going after anything that has to do with alpha malehood or, or manhood or whatever. And these young, these young men need this sport, just like young men need basketball and women need basketball and, and kids need outlets, especially now parents spending more time on the tablet than playing in the front yard with their kids. You need more school activities, uh, out of school activities than you've ever done in this country. So it's, it's ridiculous to me to even think about getting rid of football because you, you oh, there might be some concussions. It's rare when it happens and it does happen. You take care of it. And, and if it's dangerous for the particular individual, then they have to make some decisions. But that's what parents are for. That's what coaches are for. Not some inflated official who just has a feel-good moment. They can't get any other real work done. So they try to take away things from, from uh, tax-paying Americans. Let me ask you a question. And I, I assume, uh, based on what you just said, this is going to be a topic on your show. Uh, why are we? So against alpha males, why are we so against nuclear families? What, what, what's the end game for being against those type of things? Well, it's, it's not we, it's the individual. And they use social media. The big, in, all my, in all my years, what I've noticed is the people who hide behind groups are usually the most nefarious and most dishonest people. And what I mean by that is they act like their voice represents millions of people when it doesn't. It represents one. You're speaking for yourself. So Twitter is like, or, or X or whatever, it's like 10% of the population is active, of the United States is active on social media, which means 90% is working, doing their thing, uh, and they're not on the social media. So that part, they don't have a problem with men being men and being positive it's the individuals and if you look at the individuals who spend their most of their time seeking attention on social media there's a lot of mental health issues there's a lot of narcissism there's a lot of pushing your agenda and grooming and all those things are stuff that the average alpha male will be like get that out of my house that's not how we do things here uh you know we work on accountability responsibility and dependability in my house so I'm not interested in your uh, your mindset. So that's that's the issue. They create the, the the illusion. It's like the Wizard of Oz. They got all the smoke and mirrors claiming that there's all these millions of people who are just so fed up with men being men. Uh, and there's actually, it's not. It's just these individual groups, and that's how they groom, and their numbers aren't as big as they would like us to believe. But uh, they're the ones who spend all the time on social media. The rest of us don't spend that much time on social media. Let me ask you about football. You ready? What do you, what do you make of people really not trying to hire uh, Bill Belichick? What, what do you make of that? Like, I think people thought that Belichick was going to be out. And, you know, and everybody and their mother was going to offer him a job. Apparently Atlanta talked to him twice. What do you make of that? I think his record without Tom Brady might be the issue. I agree. And, um, his draft picks the last couple of years, uh, his inability to get a receiver when he's passing up on guys who are putting up Hall of Fame numbers. <laughs> you look at some of the receivers he's let. He's you know he's just made some poor draft choices. He doesn't treat veterans very well. Uh, very like especially with the defensive backs, he'll have a guy who's ready who's earned a max deal and he'll trade him. He won't pay him. So, you know, uh, I think he could be in a situation where he's outdated possibly to where the connection wasn't there with the team. Um, 
there's a lot of reasons. And if he's not willing to take, because he pretty much did what he wanted to do in New England. He made all decisions. He Everything passed through him. And Atlanta had a GM, so I think it might be a problem with him not just coming out to coach. I think that might be the issue. Is that I don't think people are looking for him as a GM. I don't think he was. He's a he's a Hall of Fame coach based off wins and losses and all, all that good stuff. But as far as a GM goes, and as a diehard Patriot fan, uh, I didn't care for a lot of his decisions. And I've always been bitter since uh, Richard Seymour didn't get his money. You know, best defensive tackle in football, and you let him go to the Raiders because you don't want to pay him. Like that type of stuff, I think uh, resonates with like. He was a great fit there during that time, but I'm not willing to give him the keys because he didn't keep it going. It's not like it continued. It's not like uh, the Patriots continued the winning ways. They were last two years. They were awful. Um, and on the, on the offensive side, it was just it was sad to watch. And it's like I said, uh, I don't even think it's necessarily the talent. I just think it's uh, I didn't think our quarterback was that bad. You can't uh, blame him when there's no one can get open, you know, so. I think that he's just not coming across with – I think the inside of the league is not as convinced as some of the public is or the media is in sports that he's as great as, as, he, as he comes off to be. He had a great run in New England, and we'll see. I'm sure he'll land somewhere. Uh, but there's also the possibility, you know, Tom Landry didn't coach again. So it is possible, you know. That's right. Hey, uh, before I let you go, we've had a couple primaries – Nikki Haley seems to be last one standing. Give me your take thus far as we are now in an election year. Give me your take on what's happening here. Well, I think what I think we, well, I kind of predicted that Trump would steamroll everyone, but I'm not mad at the idea of Nikki Haley staying in it. One, uh, it focuses uh, Trump's attention on winning the votes, winning delegates uh, in, in convincing fashion. The other side of it is we cannot ignore the fact that they have stacked up, was it 90 cases against uh, President Trump? They've tried to take him off the ballot. Who knows what's going to happen, what what other tricks are going to be pulled out of the, the, the Marxist uh, regime hiding under the flag of the Democratic of, of the Democrats. They're going to pull up and try to keep Trump out of office. And if one of those things, if, if one of those convictions lead to him not being able to finish running or being incarcerated possibly and Nikki Haley being there doing the groundwork, competing, giving America, giving Republicans a viable second uh, choice, I, I don't think is the worst thing in the world. And like I said, she's got everyone's given her people are willing to spend money on her. People are willing to donate to her. So there's a part of the population that uh, supports her. And like at this point, I have no issue. Uh, we're seeing uh, Trump's numbers against uh, another Republican, and it's not even close, so that's good for him. But at the same time, it gives us a choice and keeps him on his toes. So I think it's a she can stay as long as she can afford and the donors are willing to spend, then stay in it for as long as you can. Again, this is America. So it's a beautiful thing that uh, a woman, a person of color, or whatever the hell you want to call it, uh, can run for president of this country. And uh, millions and people get behind her. I think it's great. So why not? It's a good look. There's no bad look in Nikki Haley staying on, other than it might be considered an, an annoyance for President Trump. But he needs to be focused on that. Stick to policy. Don't get into the because all Biden wanted to do, they want to bait him into a fight. That's all the media wants to do. So I think as long as it's in the tent, we're good. 
So focus on Nikki Haley and don't worry so much about uh, the real opposition until it's time. If you were, if you were going to bet on this, who would you bet is uh, Trump's VP? Tim Scott looked awful happy. He seemed the most excited I've seen him in a long time. So if I was a betting man, uh, I'd put my money on uh, Tim Scott because that was one of the Me too. most gracious, exciting uh, introductions of uh, of uh, somebody who's probably Tim Scott's probably not very good at poker. So, uh, and uh, I think that's a great choice. Uh, I always thought Pence was a good choice for him because they were polar opposites. Pence was a policy guy. Pence was a guy who could, uh, when the president got emotional, could clean it up. Uh, Pence was very presidential as a VP. So, and, and Tim Scott, I think, falls in that line of uh, policy guys, knows his stuff, uh, will never be an off-the-field issue, will always be uh, when you when you need him, where you need him. He has the experience. He has the integrity. So that would be that would be my guess. But again, any DeSantis, Nikki Haley, even Chris Christie would all be uh, solid uh, VPs because typically uh, the last time president's VP, he had him working, had him handling major things, and Pence did some good work. So um, I, I think uh, I think any one of those four, but my money's on Scott right now. Me too. Me, me. That's exactly when I saw that concession, I saw that endorsement. And then I see he's getting married. I, this is a lot of stuff tells me uh, you don't need the lighting. I need the lighting. I need more lighting. You need less lighting because you're a very handsome man. Yeah. Me, on the other hand, I got all kind of crap going on. Uh, February 1st, Tyrus, yeah, thanks for coming on, man. Can't wait. <laughs> I got plenty of glasses. Oh, anytime, I got all kind of stuff. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. Well, hey, have you back on trade deadline next week. I absolutely will. You got it, brother. You got it. It's maintaining with Tyrus. I'll have you on anytime you want. I just like talking to you. I'd get smarter talking to Tyrus. Show's coming on. It's going to start on February 1st. Maintaining with Tyrus. You saw some clips there. You did. You saw some clips with Pierce Morgan. It's going to be a dynamite show. And uh, I got to tell you, I, when, when a couple years ago, go, go ahead. No, 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 I was agreeing with you. Go ahead. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back. I got some stuff to get into here with you. I'm going to recap what we had done earlier with a couple of things, one of which was our guy David Ross and his you guys are nuts with the betting, by the way. You guys see betting lines. You know why betting is so hard? Because you can put a teaser of the Lions plus 13 and the Chiefs plus 9.5, and, and you are already spent the money. You've already spent the yep. damn money. It's hard. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Hey, I talked about this earlier in the show. Nick and I were just talking. It smells fishy. I just saw this. Shams just put this out. Listen to this. So Doc Rivers is signing a contract through 2027. Now, I'm looking here. It's 2024. So that means 24, 25, 25, 26, 26, 27. 
That's one, two, three. That's four years. He's got the 24 season, 24, 25, 25, 26, right? 26, 27. What? Are we insane? $40 million. Doc Rivers is starting to surpass Larry Brown as the smartest coach in the history of the NBA slash college slash anything you want. It's unbelievable. 40 million. And you know what he does? He slides, what do they call it? Sliding into the DMs. He slides into the seat of a contender everywhere he goes, whether it was the Clippers or it was the Celtics back when they, oh boy, back when they actually won something, or it was his years with Joel Embiid and the Philadelphia 76ers. My man slides right into that seat and makes a ton of money with a contender. He is not having to build it back up. He's not having to go through the growing pains. He just has to sit there and go, wait a second. I'm not taking this crap over for one year. I want three, four years. And they're giving him $40 million. Do you know how much money $40 million is? I mean, in this world where we tax absolutely everything, I mean everything, everything, he gets $40 million? Man, God bless America. I knew I should have stayed in coaching. I knew I could have stayed long enough. Guys, when they were offering me, ah, I'm going to stay in media. Nah, I'm going to stay here. Nah. Jeez. $40 million freaking smackolies. Uh, I'm going to finish up with our damn awards because I like our damn awards. Uh, PETA is bitching about a dog dying. PETA is our loser of the week. They are bitching to Georgia to get rid of their bulldog mascot. PETA is mad because, well, PETA wants... Do we have a graphic for what they said? They were all mad because Georgia uses a bulldog for its mascot. And I got to tell you, I, I don't... I, I, you guys are giving me a headache. Seriously. PETA again calls for Georgia to end use of live bulldogs after the mascot's death. The line underneath it is Uga 10 was the winningest mascot in Georgia history. It doesn't matter if you are Kirby Smart, Mike White, the basketball coach, or Uga, the dog. It's all about the W's baby. That is it. That's it. Pete is calling on the university to end its live mascot program and stop exploiting these victims of cruel breeding practices before another dog suffers and dies. All right. They're saying they use breathing, breathing impaired breeds like pugs, boxers. And, what? Shut up. Shut up. Get out of here. You guys, Pete bitches too much and we pay too much attention. The strangest story of the week is one I just talked to you about, the Adrian Griffin firing, 30 and 13. 30 and 13 used to get you an extension halfway through the season. 30 and 13 used to put you in the Hall of Fame. 60 and 26, 120 and 54, 52. What are you talking about here? Middle of the season. But here's what had to have happened. This had to have happened. 
Couple of things. Let's take the, the Doc Rivers hiring out of it. Let's take that out, okay? Here's what had to have happened. They had to have come, the general manager, all the people involved. I don't even know how many people are involved in an NBA team. Now, different teams have different levels. Maybe it's the analytics guys. Maybe it's more the coach guy. I don't know. There's eight bazillion guys coaching in an NBA team, in the front office of an NBA team. Maybe they all came to Adrian Griffin a while back and said, Adrian, these are the problems. This is what has to get fixed. And maybe Adrian did what most coaches do. Look, we're winning. Well, probably came to him again and said, this is what we're winning. What? Okay. And maybe Adrian did not handle that interaction well enough. See, you got to be able to outsmart players and you got to be able to outsmart bosses when you're a coach because everybody that is in the front office goes to cocktail parties, meets people who all have an opinion on why Giannis and that team should be better. And make no mistake, we're all human beings. Make no mistake, people listen. And then there's some really smart analytics people. People want to crush analytics people, but there's really smart analytics people. And maybe, maybe it became a thing between the GM and the coach, the GM with the analytics people and the coach. And the coach didn't want to bend. And they said, look, we know this is how we can make this team better. We shall see. I don't know. But I also say this. If Giannis wanted Adrian Griffin to be the coach, Adrian Griffin would be the coach. Make zero mistake about it. None. Zero. Zip. Nada. Nada. Bo. Worst week, Indianapolis, Indiana, the newspaper rag, the star, all the little liberals getting their panties in a bunch because I'm back on the airwaves starting Monday in Indy, all local, all local. All local. It's going to be so different than this show. It's going to be all local. It's going to be Pacers. I'm not just going to rip ass too, cause some trouble. Probably be out of there in about six months. You know what I'm saying. But it's a bad day because I had read my obituary. That's what they called it back last December. My obituary. My obituary as a human being, basically, in Indiana. Since that obituary was written by our good friend Greg Doyle and Dana Benbow Hunsaker. All that has transpired since then is we've given over 100 bikes away to kids in about six different communities in Indiana. I got elected to the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame, which, look, is as prestigious as you can get in the great state of Indiana. came as a surprise to me. I got elected to the Indiana Sports Hall of Fame. What? Are you kidding me? Our numbers here are fantastic. Our team here on OutKick, and the whole thing continues to grow. We're going to be the best place for sports, pop culture, politics, you name it, in the country, and it's coming a hell of a lot faster as we keep adding shows like Charlie's, as we keep adding shows like Tyrus's. Next thing you know, we're going to be on Sirius. Next thing you know, we're going to be on Fox. Next thing you know, it's just going to explode. And then, of course, we've added another show. Hey, look. If that's disintegrating, Greggy D, I'm all in, baby. So write another article. This time, I'm sure it'll be about, I got to be a racist. It was a misogynist last time. Bad guy, bad guy to work with, blah, 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 blah. But that's a bad week. The Libbies are a little crazy here in Indy. But 99.9% of the people are excited because they know they're going to get honesty. Hey, yesterday, I'm sorry, but this should never happen. 
Luka Doncic, what, let me back up. Once you open up the can of worms that a player on the court can point over to the head of security on a team and get a fan kicked out, once you open that up one time, man, it is open. The latest is Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic said, a fan said this, you look tired, hit the treadmill, and Doncic frustrated over the officials, the fact that Dallas was losing, had the fan thrown out. Here's the press conference after. Great job by Dylan so that we can hear what's going on. Here's the press conference after. Uh, I know I saw you when you said about the fan, you know. That was not a true all. That was not the only thing he said. But I knew you would be the first one to, to okay, point out something. What else did he say? I'm not going to say what he said, but I knew you were going to be the first one to put out something like that. So I just saw it, man. It's just funny. They always seem to be the first one to put some bad stuff about me. Okay, first of all, 99% of the stuff I've written about you has been good. Uh, Second of all, the guy was sitting two rows behind us. All right, so it was the only thing he was, that time he said something, the only thing? That was what you reacted to. Yeah, I was hearing the whole first half, right? Well, oh, you didn't hear anything. No, he was, he was definitely hollering all okay. game. You reacted to You put out something that was just the only thing. Well, what, what was okay, the final what, 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 what was the, the final issue? issue? What was the thing that It's not the issue. I'm just seeing you well, seems to be the first one to always put something bad about me. Look, well, I think I several of us have been changed to be ejected. It's fine. It's all over. That's Why would you ask for the fan to be ejected? Because he was cursing me the whole first half, too. Why don't you ask you to be ejected in the first half then? Because I never would eject a fan. They pay for tickets, but I had enough, you know. It's a little bit of frustration. You turned your head and looked over at him after he said that. That's, I mean, that's what we saw. Yeah, that's fine. Be the, guy, the bad guy in the media, right? Do you feel like you're unfairly portrayed in the media? No. Yeah, you know, so the fan was barking in the first half. He didn't do anything about it. Second half, guy says, get on a treadmill. Media says, look, we were two rows in front of the guy. Nothing happened here. I'm just telling you. Yeah, it's so soft by Doncic, and I'm embarrassed for him. I am. I'm embarrassed for my Serbian brother. I don't know if he's Serbian or not. We'll claim him when he's Serbian, when he does well. When he does stuff like that, he's got to be a Croat or something. I don't know. You know what I'm saying. But anyway, I... Don't blame the media a bit for coming at this. This is ridiculous. This is asinine. This is silly. But once you did it for the first player, and I think it was LeBron, that you gave the power to point at somebody and say, get out, that's it. He's Slovenian. Yeah, I don't know what all that means. But anyway, once you do that, then it opens it up for everybody. And if I don't think not one time should an NBA player have the power to kick somebody out. Here's what I think. Tell me what you think on this. Sit up straight here. Pay attention here. I think fans should have a vote at the end of the first half on what player has been so freaking awful that you kick their ass out. Now, you have an independent arbitrator. You can't just say, okay, Kevin Durant just got 40 in the first half. They're playing in Indianapolis, and I want him kicked out. You can't do that. You can't. You put a list together, 
Maybe the arena does, maybe the NBA does, and say, if we're going to kick fans out, let's kick some freaking players out here for being horse shit, for not trying, for not coming to compete. Can we do that? Because every night, that's what we see. I like this idea. I thought of it this morning. I thought of it this morning because I'm sitting there going, wait a second here. You pay a ton of money for a ticket, and you got guys playing. Maybe they're half-baked. Maybe they're playing right. I don't know, but some of them aren't even trying. And do I blame them for not trying? Hell yeah, I blame them for not trying. I'm not making excuses for them because it's a long season. So what? It's a long season. Pull this, it plays jingle bells. But the bottom line is simply this. If you're going to be able to throw out, if you're going to make this even where players can throw out fans, at the end of the half, end of the third quarter, you know what? Go back to the home office at the NBA all right, here's the three players that we don't think are trying. Which, uh, which do you want thrown out? Throw them out of the game. Make them lose money. I mean, if we're going to make this totally interactive, that makes sense to me. It does. I'm sorry. It, it makes sense to me. Uh, it does. Uh, here's the thing. Sauce Gardner. Sauce Gardner is one of those guys that seems like a really nice kid. Do you know who Sauce Gardner is? He's a corner back. Not Corderback, Cornerback for the Jets. He's apparently in that BW3 commercial. They really should make him wear his uniform so we know who he is, but he seems like a nice kid. So Sauce Gardner, now, after a horrible season, where of course it's not Sauce's fault, it's not. Sauce Gardner reacted to a tweet from Jets Media, at Jets underscore me. You see it right there. Name a free agent no one is talking about that the Jets should sign. Well, Calvin Ridley and T. That's T. Higgins. I ain't mad at you. See, I ain't mad at Sauce Gardner putting that out there. But if I'm one of his teammates, if I'm Garrett Wilson, I'm like, yo, Sauce, slow your roll, babe. We'll be messing around here. Players that are going to react to these things are beautiful. I like it. I know I'm not supposed to like it, but I like it. I do. I do. Uh, there is a school that will hire Hugh Jackson to be a football coach, uh, according to the HBCU, Historically Black College and University Legends. Division II Moorhead College in Atlanta is negotiating a contract to make embattled Hugh Jackson the program's next coach. Man, look. I don't blame Hugh Jackson for wanting to coach. Some guys, it's in their blood. They want to coach till they drop dead. That's cool. I'm all good with that. It's fine. Doesn't matter to me. But damn, Morehouse, that's a lot of losing you're bringing in there. And he's a really nice guy. I had a chance to have a beer with him one time. He's a really nice guy. But damn. Maybe I should go to DePaul. The DePaul job is open. If you're just going to hire guys, DePaul offered me their job in 2002, or basically did. I was going to have to go interview, but I had just left being the head coach of West Virginia after eight days and went back to Bowling Green, a package on my doorstep at Bowling Green. I had just come back from press conference where I had been announced back as the Bowling Green coach. It was very confusing. But I always thought the DePaul job was one of the great jobs in the country. When I grew up in Northwest Indiana, you watched DePaul, Notre Dame, Marquette, Indiana, Purdue, you watched them. But it wasn't like growing up in Southern Indiana. You know, DePaul was like, wow. Dave Corzine, Joe Ponsetto back in the day, Clyde Bradshaw, that job's open. I always said there's two jobs. My dad always said 
We need to get to be the coach at Pepperdine, and I always said I want to be the coach at DePaul, but I really don't. $73,000. Would you pay $73,000 to go to a football game? I'm looking at you right now. $73,000 is what a super fan for the Ravens paid to go to the AFC championship game against the Chiefs. There it is. Actually, with fees, it's 73. How is that 73? Now, I, oh, times two. Wow. Oh, geez. $28,049 times two. The fees. Look at the fees. That's another 15 grand. No, it's not. That's another 17 grand. Holy hell. I don't know about you guys, but I ain't doing it. I, I'm not doing it. There's not a chance in holy hell that I am doing it. No. Uh, this is a story after my own heart. I know that those of you that listen to this show, have watched my shows over the years, understand that the plumbing, the internal plumbing, is big with me. Whether it's stopping the show before a break to go to the bathroom, whether it's I've rarely run, but when I do, it is to the bathroom. You all know that the bathroom has a big place in my soul. Well, guess what? (sighs) Excessive farting. That's right. There I am. I like the jacket. That's my smoker. Excessive farting on an American Airlines plane forced the plane to return uh, due to high wind a disgruntled passenger's smelly farts. Listen to this. The big stink, they're calling it. They're calling it the big stink over the flatulent flyer unfolded on a flight from Phoenix to Austin, Texas. It was still on the ground. Most people had boarded. I observed that this man was audibly disgruntled about something, maybe hungover, rough day, I don't know. But as soon as he sat down, he was grumbling about something under his breath like effing hell or something. After the majority of passengers had boarded, the man exclaimed, you thought that was rude? Well, how about this? And he lifted a cheek. He proceeded to pass gas. Nobody seems to know what he or who he was talking about or who he was talking to. People said, I don't know what provoked that comment. And it was kind of funny to overhear. It was uncalled for coming from a grown man on a plane, on a plane. However, The excessive farting, the excessive farting um, didn't end there. The man who had just purposely farted moments ago decided to lightly and condescending say, yeah, everyone, let's just eat the smelliest food possible all at the same time. A guy in a row over replied, if you don't like it, you can fly private, to which fart man says, that's so effing rude. Another guy chimed in and said, you're the rude guy here. At one point, flight attendants came in and said, enough. An announcement came over the airways, apologized for the interruption, but we are going to return to the gate and we'll give you more information when they have it. When they get back to the gate, a flight attendant comes back, informs Fartman he will not be staying on the flight. He replies, I don't understand, and she tells him they'll talk about it off the plane. We all breathed 
a sigh of relief when he was removed. But the plane, ladies and gentlemen, was delayed 30 minutes. All right. Somebody on Reddit said he missed an opportunity to fart on the way out and yell, smell you later. A classic D-bag move. Woke a dope. Let's go. Woke a dope. Woke woke a dope. Unity over division. 2000. That is, what is that? October 6, 2000. Unity over division. Donald Trump and MAGA Republicans are a threat to the very soul of this country. That doesn't seem unifying, Joseph. That seems the opposite of unifying, which in my opinion would be, wait for it, dividing. There is unifying, which means bringing folks together, and there is dividing. It is amazing. The bigger, broader picture is it is amazing that people can just say things, do the opposite, say the opposite, and nobody is held accountable. Unity over division. Well, if you're not us, if you're Donald Trump and MAGA Republicans, you're a threat to the very soul of this country. People will actually defend that and say, well, he's right, MAGA Republicans and Donald Trump. That's not the point here. You can have that thought. Joe Biden, you can have that thought. We all know that's your thought. But don't be the guy that's bringing unity to the White House when that's what you're espousing. Don't be like your wife, Jill, who said we are bringing decency back to the White House and then let all these transgender folks run around naked on the White House lawn. Don't bring coke into the White House. Don't let some staffer, a Democratic staffer, uh, have a little butt plug party in one of the main rooms in Congress, in the Senate, in the the Congressional building. Can we stop all that stuff? It doesn't matter what you do. It only matters what you say. I think we found that out in this administration. And it sucks. Sucks. All right. All right. Next! Must be nice to be able to eat ice cream as fast as you want and not have to worry about brain freeze. See, the idea there is there's nothing in that brain to freeze. (laughs) It would be all right if Joe Biden, like, it's a nice story. Older guy likes himself some ice cream. But it's all fake. I feel like everything the dude does is fake. Get him off my screen. Next! Stair Force One. (laughs) Hey, I am, well, never mind. Honest to God, how do you possibly vote for this? I'm I'm open to hearing. I really am. I'm open. And if if I said to somebody, if you said to one of your friends, look, uh, how do you vote for Biden, but you can't talk about Trump? How would you do it? What has Biden done? What has Biden done that makes you go, hey, all right, this is what we're going to, what, 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 what has he done? I'm anxious to hear. Anyway, thanks for watching the show today. Yeah, thanks. We had a great show today. That was a lot of fun. Tyrus, congratulations coming on board to the Outkick Network. Love having Dave Ross on. Uh, tomorrow, Teddy Karras Jr. Jr., man of the year of the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll get his take on the playoffs. 
I got to do what I do best. You all know what that is, run to the bathroom. Thank you, Nick and Nick. Thank you, Dylan. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, Aaron, Haley, and uh, excuse me, Katie, Haley, Beth. We'll see you tomorrow.